Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward. Kick It Forward is a local nonprofit organization that fosters community through soccer. Among other things, we promote accessibility, diversity, and integration at a grassroots level. Check us out on Twitter at kick underscore forward, on Facebook at kick it forward IA, and online at www.kifsoccer.com. We would also like to thank our generous sponsors, including Scott Insurance Services, Michael Keener, Attorney at Law, and Purple Poppy Boutique. The Purple Poppy Boutique is a Johnson-based fashion boutique selling the latest trends and accessories for all ages. It is operated by Paula Byerly. Their focus is on personal service, quality products, and staying current with various styles of comfort, all while maintaining affordable prices for their customers. They sell everything from dresses to leggings, home decor to camis, not to mention shoes, jewelry, purses, and gift items. Check them out on purplepoppyboutique.com or visit them at 5800 Merle Hay Road in Johnston. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to rate and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend, Blake Sievers, and we are here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. Welcome to Soccer Talk. I'm Ben Brackett with my co-host and good buddy, Blake Sievers. Blake, how's it going? Good, Ben. You know, we had a, uh, this is a good little pod because it's kind of a surprise, last minute. Surprise! Uh, for us, for fans, for the followers. Um, and most certainly for the coaches at halftime. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, big thanks to those guys because we did not uh, let them know we were coming, but... Um, yeah, shout out to Gareth Smith yeah. for the Drake Mike, Mike Avery, uh, Valpo men's coach. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, took in a little Division One men's game, uh, Missouri Valley Conference clash. Uh, the Valpo, Valparaiso Crusaders um, came into the game 2-9-1 and one overall and 1-4-0 and oh in the Missouri Valley. Um, second to last, in, or I guess you could call it fifth in the, uh, the standings ahead of Evansville. Um, Drake, on the other hand, coming in 7-6-0, and uh, coming off of a good uh, win recently. Um, I can't remember who they played. Evansville. Evansville, right. And uh, then they're 4-3-0 and in Missouri Valley. So big game for them, trying to uh, position themselves for postseason play. Uh, so we had the Titan Tactician take the game in, uh, which he was always astute with his analysis. So we'll kind of just jump to him and... Get to it, Ben. Let's do it. All right, Matt Sayhag, the Titan Tactician. How you doing today? Welcome to the studio. I'm good, guys. How are you? I'm good. How about you, Matt? Absolutely. I'm pretty great. Yeah, uh, nice and warm in here as opposed to the uh, the blustery wind last night at uh, Old Tiger Stadium, which, by the way, in West Des Moines, uh, I'm a Valley Tiger, and uh, that stadium is so sweet compared to what it used to be. I mean, I wouldn't know about the weather last night because I actually watched it from the comfort, watched the game from the comfort of my own home, which I kind of like, by the way. It's kind of a, a cool deal. You can just watch the TV and stuff. Maybe we should kind of think about that for some bad weather in Game of the Week. Oh, we know that's been up for debate here in the studio. So Can't really do a weather report on site if you're sitting on your couch. Uh, we are creative here. 
the kicker for it. So I think we might be able to figure it out. Um, but then back to that real quick, uh, you're talking about the stadium. I haven't been there in 17 years, I don't think. No? And, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. It is. It's a little – I think I played the last year – no, because this is the thing. 2001, maybe. This is what you're not understanding, is the Valley Stadium is over on, um, what is okay. it, Railroad. It's on the other side of town, different part of town. The actual high school used to have, like, a it's the track, and it used to be, like, this really, like, crap grass field that they used to do, like, intramurals and stuff on. So now it's, like, this beautiful turf field um, right on campus. So anyway, shout out Valley Tigers. You guys out in West Des Moines have so many facilities. Uh-huh. Coming Kicking. from the Johnston Dragon. Track oh. them all. all right, everybody, we're gonna we're digressing here. Um, let's get back to the the match. Uh, Drake hosted Valprezo, who they uh, beat earlier in the season two zero at Valpo. Um, so it was a, a big conference game for them. Um, would you like to add to that, Blake? No, you're, you're I our think stats guy. Let's. Yeah, I mean. Um, I think, you know, Valpo, I think the scoreline may be a little bit, that first game may be a little... Um, Harsh? Yeah, I think Valpo misses a penalty, um, or Drake saves it, however you want to look at it. Um, and then, you know, there could have been... I think Valpo had a couple, one or two other pretty good chances to uh, to score. So um, I think maybe that game may have been a little more cl- uh, closer than the score indicates. Yeah, and so Drake on a little bit of a, you know, kind of on an... On trending upward I would say with the season they're seven and six right now uh, previous to this game and then four and three in the MVC so this uh, this game against Valpo is very important in the conference uh, Valpo on the other hand came to the game two nine and one and one and four in the conference so super important for them I'm sure as well in the conference but um, I think if Drake were to get the result they they kind of put themselves in the driver's seat yeah well looking at the standings um, Missouri State was in first before the game uh, they haven't lost Drake then was in second place going into this game with Loyola, Loyola in third. And I think what I remember is that um, Loyola maybe hasn't played as many games um, as Drake had. So they've still got a, a few to play. But uh, like you say, a result for Drake there would have pushed them into five and three um, and really would have sort of put some pressure on Loyola to get some results. And they play Loyola this, this next game. Correct. So another big game at either they can either – you know, close the gap a little bit, or Loyola if they win, and even a draw really uh, probably puts them in the driver's seat for second place. Doesn't look like anyone's catching Missouri State at this point, but I think Drake plays them still again. Um, and then I'm I don't know about Loyola or not. Well, the MVC is kind of a it's a uh, it's an interesting little conference, uh, mostly based on its size, right? Um, but let's let's talk about the game a little bit, Matt. You you uh, not only did you get to watch in the comfort of your own home, but um, I'm pretty sure you can kind of start and stop that thing. And when you're not sure about stuff, you're able to go back, aren't you? Yeah, so I've got ESPN Plus, And if you don't have ESPN Plus and you got five, six bucks extra a month to spend and you like soccer, you like any sport really, um, you should go and get it because you literally can get almost anything out there uh, on TV. So all the Drake games are on TV. So wherever you're at in the world, if you want to turn the TV on and you're a fan or you're alumni like, like I am or like, you know, Blake and I are, you can always watch the game. So I've watched a couple of games now on ESPN Plus, and I've enjoyed it. Um, and so last night was was an example of that. You're welcome, ESPN Plus, for that. Yeah, yeah, we should give a, a plug shout. there. Absolutely, Matt. I have not uh, not watched the Brown Bears because they're just so bad right now. <sighs> um, so a couple things I noticed, um, 
And then, you know, having now talked to you guys and even listened to the, some of the halftime reports, when I had watched Drake before, it looked like they, they played in 4-3-3. Um, and for several years now, um, and since Gareth's been the head coach, it seems like that's been the team shape. I'm sure they've changed it up from time to time. But when I've gone out there, it's been in in 4-3-3. So one of the immediate things that I noticed um, from the start of the game is that um, they had they had two players playing up front. Um, and so whereas I would usually watch the game and there would be sort of a lone striker up there, you know, all of a sudden um, Leroy and um, Seberg were were up front. And so I said, okay, well, th- there's got to be a shape change there. So I started doing the numbers and stuff like that. And it looked like uh, for some re- reason or the other, Drake decided to play in 3-5-2 that game. So I think that was... That was a significant um, change for them, just because it was a shape change, and I also think that it um, it had some impact on the game in the end. Probably uh, not a good impact for Drake um, because the, the the shape change exposed them a little bit. But you know, we said it before on the pod. Um, I, I like I like seeing teams go with two player two strikers up front. Um, I think Drake would really benefit from playing in a four four two. I think that's how their team lines up. That's just my opinion. Um, and I think three five two gave him a couple of problems um, that we can kind of delve into here. But um, I like the look of two strikers playing together. You know, Leroy threatens more often for me when he's got a strike partner. He's very threatening. Yeah, I mean, so the first fifteen minutes, <clears throat> ten minutes could have, should have been three nil if not for Valpo's uh, goalkeeper. Yeah, he. I mean, they get Leroy in behind a, a couple of times um, early on. So, um, and unfortunately, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't finish his chances. Um, and then it seems like Valpo sort of figures it out as, as time wears on and, 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 and Leroy just doesn't get it, get in behind as often as Drake would have, would have liked him to. Um, with that said, he does score a goal in the first cap that we can talk about. But, you know, one of the things I, um, I, I noticed about the team and just from having watched them and, um, uh, knowing who some of the players are and, and where they come from, I think there's there's some really interesting player selection um, decisions that um, Gareth makes uh, with respect to how he lines up his team. So again, we're talking about playing in three five two. So in the last couple of games, uh, Poppin's been playing right back in a four three three. Obviously, going to three five two. You've got three defenders now, so Poppin moves up the field and he plays in in right in right midfield in this game. Kind of like right wing back, right? Kind of like a wing back, yeah. And then you've got Fred uh, Frimpong as a wing back on the left hand side. So you've got two guys who, as your wing backs, who who can get up and down the field, I think. But I don't think either has a big enough engine to get up and down the field all the time. When when you're playing in three five two, the responsibility of the wing back when you defend as a balancing midfielder, is to get back and essentially serve as the, um, the fourth defender. Um, and and so on I, that, that note, Matt, if you don't mind me jumping in, you're talking about them getting up and down. I mean, to me, those are two of pretty dangerous attacking players for them. And so putting defensive run responsibilities and gra- covering a lot of ground um, responsibilities on them, that's uh, just interesting. Yeah, I'd really like to, to know sort of what the what the tactic is behind that. So my for example, my observation of Poppin, I think he's the most talented player in the team, um, and, and even I put him up against Leroy. I think he's more talented than Leroy is, 
but I think he's he's useful in that group in a dangerous and threatening position on the field. So I you know, I I've I've been critical of him playing sort of in that, that six role. I think he's just too far away to threaten and try and attack. And now that he's a right back, I think he lose all his traits. He's got great range, he's got great technique. When he gets forward, threatening opportunities happen. Um, and so I think I think they lost that a little bit when he's playing right back in the four three three. And then when they move into three five two and he's a wing back, I just don't think he gets gets up the field as often to utilize his strengths. And I think the same thing as Fred on the other side. Fred's a left footer. You want Fred, I think, running up and down the line <clears throat> if he's on the wing and crossing balls in. There were some. There were probably four or five crosses in the game. I think that came from either Poppin or Fred, and it was those moments where it felt like. If that continued to happen, they would threaten more often. If you're Drake. So to play a little devil's advocate for you, um, how much of it? You know, you know, they gave up three goals, and obviously we haven't quite gotten there. But they gave they gave up three goals. I don't know if it matters who you have, if it's Poppin or Freddie Frimpong um, playing wing back. Is that three five two the best way for them to def- best way for them to defend? I, I just. I don't know. I mean, when you're in, when you're in a situation where you need results, like obviously they're at home, so they're thinking, okay, and they've got a better record, and they beat them last time, so they're like, all right, let's take the game to them. But um, I think sometimes when you do that, you leave yourself exposed, and that three five two isn't a great defending formation, right? I mean, unless you're really playing more like a five three two. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, unless yeah, I mean, you're really you, sitting your wing backs deep. Well, you take one out of the back. So the danger is in this day and age, if you play against a team that plays four three three. You get yourself into to positions often, I think, where you're three versus three at the back. That leaves you exposed. Or you get yourself into a position where um, the ball gets crossed and your wing back doesn't balance, right, and exposes you a little bit. Um, it was I, I was um, I was trying to figure out Valpo's shape a little bit. Off the bat, it looked like maybe like a, a four two three one. It looked a little bit like four five one at times too, and then even four three three. So they kind of had a little. It was hard to tell what their actual shape was. Um, but there were times when there were, th- there were three players forward. And so I think that, that naturally puts pressure on your back, um, your back three. I don't think the shape made a difference in the game. I think some other things made a difference in the game. Let's talk about those then. <clears throat> so one of the things that I think, um, uh, well, well, first of all, let's just start off with, um, so Drake and Gareth talks about this at halftime. Um, Drake starts off, and I thought in the first five or ten minutes, I go, oh, this is going to be all Drake. Um, it just looked like athletically they were better. They looked like, like they were better on the ball. And the, you know, then you just had these moments where Leroy got in behind him, and I and um, Leroy would be kicking himself a little bit today because he, he should have finished one or two chances early, which could have killed the game off right away. But we see it happen in a lot of soccer games where you don't finish your chances and take your opportunities. And the and this the the context of the game completely changes, and I thought that's exactly what happened. Well, it's funny though that you said that it seemed like it was all Drake, because as Blake would be quick to mention, I, I walked in a little late, um, and so I, what it was like the thirtieth minute probably when I walked in. So if I hadn't seen the scoreboard, I would have thought that it was zero zero or that Drake was winning one zero something like that. Like it seemed like they even then at that point in the game they were they were still controlling the the, the play, they were dictating the game. So I don't. I mean, I don't. Did you see that? And it, for me, it was just because I didn't even see it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, and I think um, you know we talked to Mike Avery, the Valpo coach, and I'm at halftime, and he mentions they had to make some adjustments on the fly. They last time they played, Drake did not play in this three five two that we're talking about. 
So I think from their point of view, I would I would venture to guess and assume they were a little surprised. So now they're sitting in trying to figure out, all right, here's how they're playing. How are we now going to counter this new shape and this new system that Drake's in? Yeah, and, and you know that if they're looking at trying to defend against Drake, they're cognizant of where Leroy is, right? That's probably the, the first thing that they say. And you heard, he you heard in the halftime interview, he, he literally mentions Leroy. And, I mean, to be fair, he's a dangerous, dangerous player, right? I mean, he's always threatening and looking to get in behind and score goals. He can be, he can be a dangerous player, I think. Um, you know, one of the things that... Um, so, so my observation is, okay, so if you're Valpo, you're saying, all right, Leroy is going to show up on the right or the left as a winger, right? So you're preparing for that. Well, he shows up straight down the middle. So it gives you a difference in where he starts his runs. So I thought Valpo struggled for the first five or ten minutes, and they sort of figured it out. Um, and they figured out how to defend him, and I think they figured out how to defend both Seberg and Leroy. <clears throat> and I think that, that the two strikers' movements um, made it easy for Valpo to, to defend them, in fact. Okay, so let's talk about both sides of that then. Um, when you're playing with two strikers, right, a lot of times the runs you're looking for are somebody to come short and kind of uh, you know, pull a center back out of position. And then you're looking for somebody to run in behind, or you're running into the channel and pull a center back out that way, and looking to run somebody else like through a sort of a, an inner channel or a seam, right? I mean, those are the, your two most basic movements. And then you're looking for sometimes play it into the the target man, knock it down, look for a little combination play, and in, right? Those are your sort of like classic center, you know, two striker ways to to move, correct? Right, and and I think that it's. Um probably the feedback when they watch the video is it's it's got to be back to those basics for those two guys, right? So, um, Didn't look like they were on the same page maybe with that kind of stuff, right? Not, not as the game wore on, certainly. You know, th there, there's moments where, you know, there's one more moment in the first half, um, or, or I'll just back up. I mean, I think if they're going to have two strikers up there, and, and specifically Leroy, they've got to define his role for him um, and define where they want him. You know, maybe it's this free-flowing sort of like, hey, you've got the freedom to move and to rotate and to show up in different areas of the field. Maybe they like that. I didn't think it was effective in that game because, um, you know, for example, at one point there's a throw-in all the way on the side, and Leroy's and Drake's defending the throw-in, and Leroy's just standing next to the thrower in the channel. And what happens is, is Drake ends up winning the ball, and now all of a sudden you, you can't threaten because he's still sitting in the channel. So um, to define that role by saying, hey, look, when the ball's on the right-hand side and in the channel we're defending, you're in the center field, you're on the, you're on the back line, you're thinking about getting in that sort of half-and-half half position where if you have to come in back into midfield a little bit to defend, that's good. But at the same time, you're, you're thinking about how do we counter and how do we, do we score. And so I think what we saw often was just kind of a lack of discipline from, from a starting um, position perspective and then, you know, it just didn't look like the two of them traveled together all the time. And then, you know, Seberg would come in really shallow and stuff like that. And I think maybe that part of that's just making the change late in the season. But I thought they, sh they struggled with that as the game wore on. Yeah, I think the other thing, just as I think about it more, if I'm, if I'm trying to set those two up to play together, um, I'm looking at, you know, playing big balls into Seberg and having Leroy run off him, right? I mean, that's probably your, your best best way to deal with, you know, put Seberg in a place to be useful. 
balls in, flicking it on, running behind, and letting Leroy just run, right? I mean, if you're gonna, if you're talking about giving them freedom, like they should still be working with a free within a framework together. And then the the other beauty of having two strikers is the ability to defend further up the field, right? Uh, I mean, it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so let's talk about like I mean, there were some really good moments I think for Drake um, in bits and pieces in the first half where. Um, they did work together, and I think where if they the, the strikers were in the the the, the right position, and I think a goal a goal is the, the example of that. Um, but I think thought one of the things that also limited Drake from using their strikers effectively is is how their midfielders run as well. So you play in three five two, right? That means you've got you've got five in midfield, and specifically three of your central midfielders. You know, my observation for Drake. And one of the things they could do a lot better is, uh, well, two things. Number one, there seems to be a lack of rotation in midfield. So Fainer played the number six role for most of the game, and then you've got Sanchez and Wilhelms that played ahead of him. Well, when the ball, when Drake possesses the ball at the back, Fainer is always the six, always, right? So what you see is you see him, as the ball goes into the right back, he travels to the right back. The ball goes all the way to the left back. Fainer goes all the way to the left back. And then you've got Wilhelms and Sanchez a lot of times who just sort of stand ahead of them. And, and there's no rotation in midfield. And I think that what that does is it creates two problems. One, they're static and they're easy to defend. But two, it clogs up space in midfield. Um, so I thought they struggled with that. The second piece I thought they struggled with then too is, is Fainer's movement um, also sort of kills the space. Um, and so it makes it very hard for them and difficult or made it very difficult for them to find the strikers in those situations. This is kind of what we were talking about in the, uh, the old pre-show chat, was just sometimes his angle to receive the ball isn't, you know, it's, it sort of closes the field off and it, and it makes it very obvious where the next pass is, which is, you know, probably back where it came from or on a very tight angle. And so if you're defending that as a, a team, that's like a visual cue where it's like we press now. Right. If if you're going if you've got somebody that's receiving their ball the ball and they've got pressure to them that is a, a, a press a pressing cue as a defending team. So um, and it sounds like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's sort of where the the goal came from that I missed. Right. Is they you know uh, goes to play the ball back and they get pressed, dispossessed and off they off the other team goes off foul ball goes right. Yeah. So that that's where the that's sort of the the second goal comes out of. Um, but you know if you dial it back even earlier in the game so. There's a moment probably within the first five or six minutes where um, I think it's Miss Horn plays, who's the center back, plays the ball to their right back, who is Bartlett. And you watch Fainer um, run towards the ball on an angle and receive a pass on an angle, right? And so I think it's in those, and you saw that commonly happen over and over again. And I think just in those types of situations, it's sort of back to basics, right? If, if, the, if the ball goes into the right back, and the ball is going to come on an angle into the central midfielder, then the, the simple rule is angled pass, straight run, right? Angled pass, angle run, closes space, closes the passing lane down. And I think we see that commonly, hap- commonly happen over and over again. Well, it's the same. A big one for like youth players is the square pass, right? Which is the exact same thing we're talking about, ultimately, but it's on an angle. It's square. When you're, when you're passing on, on sort of that square angle, and you're not receiving it, as we talked about earlier, sort of like on the half turn, or um, really that's that's how I was always described. It was on the half turn, or like you're saying, on the angle. Um, I, 
it's a really, I mean, again, it's a visual cue defensively to, to press. And it's also like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you just, if you watch it as a player, you kind of start to go, ooh, man, I really do need to start adjusting my position, right? Yeah. It becomes easy to defend. Definitely. So if, I mean, and this is not the rule 100% of the time because a lot of players run at an angle and just turn quickly. But if you go sort of back to basics, if the ball comes on an angle into you and you're running on, on a straight line, it's natural for you to turn your body shape. So you're naturally turning on the half turn, which means you can look forwards. The second piece is, even if you don't get the ball, you open up a passing lane, for example, in this, this situation we're talking like, into Sanchez, into Wilms, which then allows the number six to come and get the ball off those guys. And so I think, I think those were some of the, the areas that Drake struggled with, even to get the ball forwards into their, their front through to throughout the night. And then, I mean, kind of we talked a little bit about our Ben, you brought it up, the pressing. I mean, Valpo, when they pressed, guess what? <laughs> they pressed the hell out of them. And, um, they were fired were up, quite too, a, right? were quite effective, I thought. Yeah, they were pretty fired up as a team. Like, I think this was an important game for them probably, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, so the, the third goal, I think, came as a direct result of their, pro, their press. Um, so my observation was that they had a plan in terms of how they were going to shape how Drake played. So usually when it went into Bartlett as the right back or it went into um, um, who's their left back? Well, um, Wilson. Sorry, Liam Wilson. When it went into him, you saw what their their number nine start to sort of shape the ball. And I thought what that did a lot of times is it allowed Valpo to shape the ball so that Drake played on down one hand side of the field. And I thought they were effective at winning the ball um, um, a number of times. So, um, and I mentioned Drake did some good things too. So um, I just want to talk about their goal a little bit. So what happens in, on their goal actually is um, the, first, the, the goal that Drake scores is probably for the first time in the game, instead of the right back either playing directly into the stri- longest striker as possible, um, which would have been Seaberg or um, Leroy up top, or playing into Fainer, what happens is is um, Seabrook comes and gets it pretty shallow. So he's almost into midfield. So he's actually playing like a midfielder. And so the ball gets played, I think it's from Bartlett, into um, um, the striker, Seabrook. And then Wilhelms is, right under, is right underneath him, gets played back to Wilhelm. And then all of a sudden you've got Leroy, who's on the back line. And then the ball gets played through, and he's sort of off the races. Well, back and through. Uh, back through, so back to the basics, right? So they actually, instead of just, you know, playing a player who could who could only go backwards into the back third, you saw the ball build and move through midfield, up back through, and it was a great goal. Yeah, that's, that's difficult too. Sorry, Ben. Um, you know, as when you're playing in the back for the target player, the forward to go a little bit deeper into midfield causes problems, doesn't it? Because now you got to figure out: Do I go with him? Do I pass him off? And Valpo. Right. Well, and even and so, and that is exactly. I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about. Uh, or that's exactly correct. So when when Seaver drops in, center back goes with him, creates that space for Leroy to run into. But then the other piece to the puzzle is, uh, you know, Wilhelm sort of shaping his run and finding the space at the right time to receive it underneath Seaver. So he can't just like stand there and wait for it. Um, you know, the ball has come through the space, and then he's time to properly to get in underneath it so I mean it's it's like you said it's all it's textbook stuff and it's back to basics but it works right yep definitely and he's hit it well because the goalkeeper's got a hand on it so he's like 
Leroy's actually done quite well, I thought, um, well, on I, goal. I think, I mean, you know, I come from a slightly unbiased position. You know, obviously I'm from Des Moines, so, uh, and I have family members that were Drake Bulldogs, uh, but I, I have a, I like a lot of the Drake players. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Poppin, you guys know that. I'm a big fan of Freddie Frimpong, um, Leroy, Nate Seberg, you know, and, and Fainer. Like, those were guys that played the Summer of the Wonders, and I've you know that they can do things correctly. So you just wonder, okay, is it, you know, where's the, the message getting mixed up? You know, are they, are they not set up correctly? Are they losing their confidence for some reason? Um, you know, and I, it's not necessarily a coaching thing, but, you know, because a lot of times that becomes a player thing too. You know, maybe you're just in the wrong place mentally. But I don't know, I'm just, you can tell it's, uh, it's been up and down for Drake all year. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like the... I, there, there's, there were so many moments in that game where it just seemed like there was a, um, they were struggling with, you know, with, with sort of just an idea of, of, of how to play, right? Like, I mean, for example, movement in midfield, rotation in midfield, you know, type of run, um, starting positions um, on the defensive side of the ball, they had a couple of breakdowns too. But we know that they can do it, right? They've had however many shutouts this year, right? We, you know, they score a great goal based on like good movement, right? Yeah. So what's the? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a lot of training ground, training ground stuff. It seems like a lot of like functional play. I don't know how much they do. It seems like watching video. But I'll give you another example. Um, there's probably about 17 minutes left in, to go in the first half, and Frimpong gets it wide into the channel, and so you've got Seabrook's closest to him ahead of him, and then Leroy I think is all the way out wide, but you know Frimpong is is coming down into the channel. And again, Seberg is making an angle run towards Frimpong, right? And what he's doing is he's bringing other defenders into Frimpong's space. But in addition to that, he doesn't have to kill his space. All he's got to do is stand still at that point. And he can either play a 1-2 with Frimpong or, or, or he gets out of the space and gets into the box and lets Frimpong go. Eventually, that's what Seberg did. But it wasn't before he killed his space and the ball goes out for a goal kick. So I think those are those are little moments where... You know, those guys should understand that when the ball is in the left-hand wing, I mean, not all the time, but just general principles, and you're coming into the attacking third, and the striker's standing on the 18-yard box. The best strikers around the 18-yard the box, they stand still. And they, say, the they hold their space, right? They, they stand still. Um, and so I think just some of those... Or they pull a little bit off the shoulder. Yeah, and, and in these college soccer games, the margin for error or the difference is, is very, very small. So I think I think those are just, you know, some of the some of the little things so um so it's so it's one zero drake and you know i think we're being pretty pretty nitpicky about a lot of this stuff and but um but at that point it's one nil drake it, it still feels like drake's got a hold of the game and that was when i walked in the door yeah it, it feels like drake's got a hold of the game and, it, and it, in fact it feels like they've got a hold of the game until valpo scores um and i think that um that so just to talk about the Valpo's goal a little bit, what what happens is, and this is dialing it back before the throw-in because it, it ends up coming off of a throw-in, but Drake gets the ball and plays the ball long, and at this point in time, Austin Smythe has come on the field for um, Drake. For Drake. 
for Seabrook. I keep wanting to call him Freeburg. <laughs> there you go. Shout out, Luke. Uh, Shout out, Luke. Yeah. Hopefully he's listening. They call, uh, they call Seabrook Tater if you want. So, like, you can just call him Tater. Tater, all right. So, <laughs> Tater's <laughs> this off. This is true. Tater, like. Tater's off. Smythe is on. It seemed like a straight swap, right? I'm not sure why you bring him on. Um, I don't know. But Smythe, the ball goes into the channel. Smythe chases it, and he fouls him, right? And Leroy's right next to him. Um, and I think this is a mo- this is the moment, and this is where I sort of took my ESPN Plus the advantage of having that. I sort of started and stopped it. Because when you watch the reaction to the foul, it's, there's a direct correlation between, for how the goal ends up being scored. So here's what happens. Smythe fouls the player. Leroy looks at the ref and like does one of these, like throws his hands up like, hey, it wasn't a foul. It was a foul. Like I, I saw it. It looked like a foul to me. From there, there is, um, there are 27 seconds that come off the clock until, um, until the ball is won by Drake. So, like probably almost 20 seconds, 23 or 24 seconds later, the free kick is taken. You've got the football lines, right? So at that point in time, Leroy had moved 16 yards in 27 seconds back into the fend, right? So then what happens is. Sanchez wins the ball and probably in their own half on like the 35-yard line and he wins it and it goes forwards, right? So two problems. Number one, Leroy is standing in the channel. He's not in the middle of the field, so the header comes into the channel. The second problem is he's, he's, he's not far back enough to where he can win the ball. So then what happens, he challenges for the ball, he sort of loses it, he's got to come deeper into midfield, right? And then the ball ends up going out for a throw-in, for Valpo's throw-in. But, you know, for me, those are like the little moments where that end up making the difference because the throw-in happens and then Valpo ends up scoring. But when you're looking just from like a field position perspective, you know, if he tracks back just a little bit further or if he's ready to win the ball when Sanchez wins it or if he's in a good starting position in the middle of the field when Sanchez wins it and goes to him in the middle, the ball never goes out of bounds for a throw-in. Right? And so the difference now is the ball is 35 yards from goal when they take the throw in, as opposed to Leroy having won it in midfield and then going in the other direction. Now, just to, from a player's perspective, it remind me if you ever felt like this, but I know that when, when you're able to go back and watch the games and when there's fine margins really and you're in the season, in, at the you know, point in the season where every game you know, really matters to you as a team. You're trying to, you know, position yourself for postseason play. Um, you go back and, you know, a goal like that and you go, I mean, you can go back like two or three plays a lot of times or, you know, like two or three actions, if you will, or phases of play, however you want to describe it. And you can be like, oh, you, you, you see that right there? You know, the way you reacted. It, it's so frustrating as a defender and as a player to go back and be like, are you kidding me? Like, I reacted like uh, two minutes earlier and, and you're telling me that that was my fault? And you know, I think it's it's not that it's it's Leroy's fault, right? It's just that it's amazing how you can see when you watch it and you can, you're able to go back. You can just see these little things and how they build up to make big things. And so, as a player, like I, you know, I gave the shout out to Imperia on the game the other day that you know we we uh, won the championship, the Empire. But it was it's funny when we're playing the game, we start to a lot of us have played it in college and have played it at a high level where you've done this analysis and you go back and you're like, oh man, you know, if I had only done this or that. And you can tell that we're, like, every single play, we're trying to think of, like, okay, 
Like, how can I position myself so that this is not my fault or that, you know, that I'm in the best position for the team to help? Um, and at that level, I mean, that's what that is. It's like, you know, Leroy has to go back and go, okay, well, you know, if I want to play at the next level, I have to be 100% switched on. I can't just take one little playoff. I can't react. I can't, you know, if, if I'm going to be the best, uh, those little things are the, the absolute biggest part of the game. Yeah, definitely. And, and especially for the guy who's either the, the best or the second best player, right? Yeah. Well, he, has, he certainly has aspirations to go on and play. Yeah, definitely. And, and I don't think, I mean, there's, it's not like there's not more mistakes, I think, that happen for the goal. But for me, you know, I played left back in college, right? One of the things that drives, I think, defenders nuts is when you, so the margin for error is, is, is zero at the back, right? If, if I'm next to a, um, an attacker who's trying to score and I don't win the ball, it's in the back of the net. The moment it gets 50 yards, 60 yards, 70 yards away from goal, and up by these strikers who think that their only job is to score goals, and they don't win the ball, the defenders are like, hey, come on. And now you're putting me under pressure. And so maybe, maybe my sort of tilt on this is a little bit biased for guys at the back, like, like Wilson and Misselhorn and Bartlett, um, who are under pressure all day long. Um, but you're, so you're just seeing this going, why are you putting me under pressure by not reacting a little bit quick, quicker? And so you know, the, the throwing happens. And the problem is, right, is that the guys at the back as well, you watch the throw happen, and I think it's like eight of Drake players are all the way over. It's like maybe it's, maybe it's seven. It's like four versus seven, basically all on the channel. And you got to give credit to Valpo here, actually. The ball gets, it's not nice stuff, but what they do is they, they play it forwards and backwards and forwards again, and then... Um, the player that ends up scoring the goal just kind of picks it up and just cuts across all the Drake players. He takes one touch and eliminates like four of them. And then all of a sudden he just reverse passes it into the goal. But if you watch, I think I, think I counted uh, five times where six Drake players had a turn. So it was like once across them, back across them, forwards, back, and then the sort of lethal final touch beat all four of them and, and went in the goal. And so it was, a, it was an organizational issue for Drake at the back. But... A nice little piece of play once um, once Valpo was get able to get the ball on the ground, and um, I, I don't know who scored the goal, but um, it was a nice little finish. The Val, you're talking the first goal. Yeah. Was it Andy Lomelli? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think he's a freshman too, isn't he? Uh, I thought they said freshman. Come on, stat guy. Well, Let's go. I mean, he is a freshman. Yeah, he's, he is. Yeah. Great. You know, I think. Um, Another thing that, you know, we talk about players transitioning from, you know, youth and high school club to the college game. We talk about, um, you know, sometimes the, the players aren't necessarily prepared um, the same way that, you, you know, like that they're being asked to prepare at, the, at this next level in college. So for a striker and an attacker, a lot of times they've only really been coached to attack, right? Like they're not even... You know, it's it. If you think about like a, a a lot of times like a high school game. You know, a striker a lot of times is just like go go stand up there and wait for it and then run and score a goal, right? Like that is not an uncommon strategy that you see. So now at this next level, you ask Leroy to not only um, score goals and and not just do you know not just individual effort, but you know take part in team goals. But now he also has to like switch on and and play defense. And, def and defend for 90 minutes. And I know, like, my college roommate was a, an attacker, and he was, a, like, a highly touted, uh, you know, forward. Uh, Andrew Daniels, 
shout out for you. Um, and, and he, I remember him complaining so much because they, they wanted him to do so much running when we didn't have the ball, when we weren't even, uh, we were nowhere near the ball. And they're asking him to you know, run and close down and then put himself in positions to like transition quickly all the time. And he, I don't think he even scored a goal as a freshman. But then by the time he was a sophomore, junior, senior, I mean, he scored bo- buckets of goals because he played both sides of the ball and learned. But it also was like a fitness issue, right? You go from being like, okay, like I know what it means to run for part of the game, but run for 90 minutes is tough. Yeah, it's tough. But I'm just saying it's a, to- it's a transition mentally for these players, yeah, right? Completely. Um, I agree. We're now at the end of October. Um, Player doesn't buy it then. No, I, I'm not a freshman. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I guess my point is more for players like. that are transitioning, right? Not for not yeah. for Leroy. Like Leroy knows, but like, okay, so I'm 17 years old and I'm like, I want to play at the next level. Like, this is the difference. You're right. You're, there, there's a there's a big difference. You and we, but we all also know that um, not executing like isn't an excuse. So like, I mean, Gareth and Kyle and the the rest of the coaching staff are going to watch the film and and you know. If you're a freshman or a senior in the team, when you didn't do what was needed, like there is no sort of hiding, there is no excuse that the coaches are going to say, yeah, you know what, you're right, we're going to let that yeah, one pass. Yeah, right, no, you're right. Especially when you're coming, I mean, Drake's now coming into the end of the, the conference season, they're going to come into the tournament, and all these little moments are really, really going to be amplified then. Because, let's let's face it, Drake could win the MVC tournament. Absolutely. And go to the NCAA tournament. They really could. I mean, they're, they're good enough to do it. Absolutely. And um, we'd love to see them do it as well. So, But I think those are the moments that um, that, that make the difference. Well, so. Fair play. So um, let's uh, let's sort of close it, wrap it up. Um, We've got to talk about goals, Ben. Right, that's what I was going to say. So like, let's <laughs> let's kind of focus in on the, the other yeah. couple goals. And uh, Drake's near, miss, hit the post there yep. um, as well. So unfortunately for Drake, um, they had a little mishap at the back with about with less than a minute left in the um, in the first half. So at this point, it's one one. Yeah, and so first of all, and you guys will probably give your typical shout out to the coaches for the interviews, but um, Gareth gave you guys an interview at halftime. So can we kind of beat yeah. you to that mat real yeah, quick? So normally, um, for those coaches that are begging to be on the pod, we kind of reach out to you ahead of time, let you know we're coming down. Um, make you aware we kind of pulled the surprise unintentional surprise tactic on both of the coaches uh maybe lack of planning yeah maybe a little bit surprise game of the week yeah but but both of them were uh super cool about it you know gareth had to have been i would if i'm i'm guessing if you know you give up a goal right before halftime i'm coach i'm i'm a little fired up and he said hey just let me talk to the boys i'll you know i'll come back and give you a minute and the valpo coach he doesn't know blake from a stick in the mud and he was quick to be like yeah no problem yeah got uh, a random guy walking up and says hey let's put yeah. a camera in your face and a he, mic he thought about it for a second he, he did like, yeah, okay he could have been the first coach ever yes. to decline no, us we're still that day is going to come and that's going to be great no but definitely thank you to those yeah, guys those guys are great. awesome right. yeah well so i thought i mean so get for me gareth's three points to you guys which probably came out of the huddle where we had some good chances a b little night um he said um, I think he, he sort of just inverted the statement. I mean, we knew what he was trying to say, but we tried to bail out of the back maybe at an inopportune time, and then there was some naive, naive defending. And then I think he talked about trying to circulate the ball a little bit, which are some of the things we touched on, I think, just when we're talking about rotation in midfield. So the second goal is his, his second point. What happens is is the ball gets played in from Misselhorn, the center back, into Foner. 
Fainer. Fainer, sorry. And um, and again, when you look at the type of run that Fainer and how he approaches the ball, he approaches the ball straight on now. He's got a straight pass, and he's approaching the ball straight on. So he gives himself no option but to go backwards. Um, so so he, he then plays it. So if you can kind of um, just sort of imagine if you're following what's going on, Mr. Horn plays it directly to to um, Fainer. Bartlett then is the right back. So Fainer plays it um, to Bartlett. Now, and when you talk about margins for error as well, um, I think Gareth made the statement, you know, try to build the back at an inopportune time. Um, pro- probably anybody, a Drake fan alumni, would have loved to see just someone kick it in the stands because it would have <laughs> killed off the clock. But they still could have built out of the back at that point. I think the problem with Fainer, or his pass anyway, is that he played Bartlett's left foot. So if you, when you watch the video, Bartlett's like, he's, he's basically shaped to receive it back foot and go out wide and probably kill the half off. And Fainer puts it on his left foot, and you watch Bartlett go, oh, my goodness, like, what are you doing? And it takes a, a, a bad touch off his left foot. And, he, and Bartlett's under pressure, too. So he got put in it. Now, you'd like to see your guy at that level be able to adjust and still play out of it. But to be fair to Bartlett, he got, he got played a terrible pass, put him in it, and all of a sudden now Valpo's um, running at goal against Misselhorn 1v1. Bartlett's recovering. Um, Fainer attempts to, to recover as well. Um, but unfortunately, Fainer followed the ball instead of the overlapping runner. And what ends up happening is the, the player stole the ball from Bartlett, ends up cutting the ball back. Bartlett gets in behind him. There's an overlapping runner. Um, and the player twists the players up a little bit. Bartlett falls over, and the ball's played to the overlapping player who ends up finishing the, um, finishing the shot. Mason Marcy. Mason Marcy. But so, so they were, I mean, Drake created the, I mean, the chance for them by, by Fanner's pass, number one. But number two, um, then I think it was just some sort of panicky defending that didn't turn out well for Drake. Well, if I'm the Valpo coach, I'm going, great recognition of the visual cue to press, way to get forward with your first pass, and, you know, great counterattack, way to, you know, be on the, on the front foot, guys. Yeah. It's, Especially it's almost, late in the half. So Drake plays a lot of possession at the back, right? When, when you look at the possession statistic, it's going to, I think it's at like 54%. Like the, the more, the statistic I'm interested in is of that 54%, how much is it is it possessed by Bartlett, Misselhorn, Wilson, and Fainer? Sure. Because it seems like that's where they possess the ball. Yeah, where is it? Is it in the defensive third or the attacking third, right? It's in the, yeah, and, and so what, what Valpo does is go, all right, let's let them play the first pass and invite a short pass, and then let's press. And it seems like that's how the goal got scored. Well, you can only assume that that's something they've been training because it, it looked like it. And you know, we know that that's how Drake plays. That's how they play, right? They... They like to possess. They like to possess in the in their you know kind of back five and six players and probe and circulate the ball, but you know what do you do when you're under pressure? Well, it's a good segue into the third goal because it's exactly what happens in the third goal as well. Um, so, um, I think it's probably maybe with twenty eight minutes left. Sixty first so. minute. So yeah, right around that thirty minute mark. Twenty nine. Sixty second minute maybe. Yes. So again, what happens is is Drake tries to possess possess the ball at the back, and they're really deep. And in fact, they're they they play the round the, the ball at the back, probably twenty to twenty five 
yards out from goal, and they hold it for, I don't know, four or five passes. So at one point, um, it's either Frimpong or Wilson who's got it, and he plays it on, on the edge of the box into Misselhorn. It's, I'm sorry, it's Wilson. Plays the ball into uh, Misselhorn on the edge of the box. I think there's two issues with that. Number one, the goalkeeper's right behind Misselhorn. So there's no reason to be defending that deep and have your center back with the goalkeeper right in behind him. I mean, you've got, you should have a competent goalkeeper that you can send Misselhorn out wider. You can move Bartlett up the field. You can move. I noticed that earlier in the game. It was like a common thing where he would drop into that space. It was sort of like the, if I'm the goalkeeper, I'm like, get out of here. Get, you know, move over to the right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, and this is the problem with it, right? So he gets the ball from the left back. Well, he's so deep that he can't be, he can't receive it facing forwards. So he receives it on his left foot. So again, the only option for Misselhorn is to play a pass into Frimpong, who's 20 yards up the field. So, I mean, imagine what's happening here, right? They get the first pass, not under pressure. Second half, pass, not under pressure. Meanwhile, Valpo is shaping the ball, and they're bringing, bringing players forward. So at the time Misselhorn plays the ball, it's already four versus four. So it's, it's Drake's back three plus Fainer. And then it's four of uh, Valpo's guys. And so they're possessing the ball down 2-1 at the back, inside the 18-yard box. Misselhorn plays it to Frimpong. Another Valpo guy comes and pressures the ball. They end up winning it. Um, and so then what happens is they've won the ball, and so Drake starts recovering into the box. And I think this is where the shape burns him a little bit on the third goal um, because a couple of different things. Number one, Poppin's out of the game now. So Sanchez is playing right midfield. And there's one, there's only one Valpo guy who's coming up the field on um, the balancing side of the field. And what happens is, is Bartlett, you can see Bartlett, he's looking forwards as the ball is to his left. He's looking over his shoulder. He's doing what he should do, except there's only one attacker there. And instead of telling Sanchez to come in front of him and close the space, he tells Sanchez to come mark the guy. So now Bartlett's in no man's land. They've got two marking one. The rest of their players are all sort of um, all on the left-hand side of the field. So again, six or seven players. And what ends up happening is that uh, Valpo gets the ball, a um, couple of nice, nice pieces to play, and the guy crosses the ball. What ends up happening? But the guy that Sanchez should have been basically marking or, or making sure if he came in the late run comes in late in front of him and, and scores the goal. So it was, a, it was a lack of organization at the back in the end um, that was preceded by probably getting caught in possession um, in an area of the field that you shouldn't have been caught in, especially when you're down 2-1. Um, but I think that I think that Valpo's, the way they defended, um, I think they scouted Drake to pick off some of those those passes at the back. That's what it, I mean, it sounds to me, if I'm, you know, sort of just uh, taking, taking an overall perspective of the conversation, is really the three goals all kind of come from similar situations, right? Good pressing from Valpo. Um, maybe a questionable decision, maybe a little bit of a mistake in the back, maybe a mistake in possession and um, from Drake and then off Valpo goes. So, you know, uh, sometimes that can be uh, down to like, okay, you know, should we really mess with it back there? But then a lot of times it, you know, it's like it's a little bit on the players, right? You know, hey, 
you know, you're if you're going to be a confident player at this level, like you have to connect those passes in the right places. Or, and if you don't, you have to understand what, how you need to react. I mean, it's a little, it's just, it's a little just interesting about, what right? the message is. We don't know the message. Right. I'd be interested to be sitting uh, a training ground in Drake Stadium on a you know Monday Monday afternoon as they're do, going through things or Tuesday night to see what what the Chilly message rainy is. Day. Um, because we've talked. I mean, this is a common theme. Every college coach we've talked to in the studio, right, is this quote dilemma of playing nice or being effective, and you got to be effective, like. You know, I don't care if you have 80% of the ball, you may lose 3-1. Like, knock the thing up to your big Seberg when you're in trouble and let Leroy run off of it and let Seberg be the big, strong boy he is and hold the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to hear the messaging, right? Like, what is what are the tactics? I mean, it's, it's, it's really easy to come from the outside in and say you should have played this way. You know, we're, we haven't been in the, in the huddle for the entire season or the past couple of years. Maybe they're building on something that they, they've been trying to or a way they've been trying to play for a long time. But here, so but but here's the messaging that it seems like or that I would give anyway. Like, I mean, simple functional stuff. I think the guys work hard. I do. Like to to me, um, Boehner's a workhorse. That guy runs. He just runs inefficiently, right? Like I mean, Missalorn in the back, solid center back, right? Poppin, great player. Leroy, super dangerous. And so it just seems like it's it's putting the pieces together functionally. So, I mean, I think for the messaging for Feiner is, hey, back to basics. Don't kill the space. Like, I mean, angle pass, straight run. Right? Straight pass, angled run. Get your body on a on an angle where you can play forwards, right? Don't kill the passing lanes. If you're if you're Seabrig and you're you're and Zugi, it's like, hey, get together, line up with each other and play in the last man and make sure you get your starting positions right so that when we win the ball, we can counterattack. Um, you know, and I, so little things like that. Um, and I, I just think, um, I think coming into the end of the season, you know, I mean, this is probably the time where the coaches can sort of put together the, the body of work that the team has done so far and look at the video and tweak these things. Because to be honest with you, the rest, the the games that Drake has played in this season, like they really le- mean little or nothing, um, leading up to what they really want right. at the end of this season, which is get is to get into the tournament. Right, and the All conference tournament is their way in, right? Yeah, what do they got to win three games and boom, they're NCAA's and right. they could be a national champion. So, well, and the they, way Missouri State's going, who knows? Maybe Garris said because they just played them recently. Maybe they said, hey. We're gonna have to play a three-five-two. It's gonna be our best way to beat Missouri State. So we're gonna play against Valpo, and who knows? We don't know. But that's just maybe one thing. Like, let's try it out, and because this game against Valpo doesn't really, in the big scheme of things, mean a whole lot. Well, and I think you know, you talk about the, the style of play and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, if they were just, uh, you know, like direct route one, uh, and things weren't going well. You'd still you'd still be going. What's what's going on? I think it just really comes down to results, right? Like if you're an alumni or if you're a fan, even you know if you just live in Des Moines, and you're following the team. You know you just want to see a team win. So unfortunately, it becomes like that goes back to this like this question. You know, do we play to to look good or do we play to win? And can you find a way to merge them together and be successful? I think play, teams do it, right? But it's hard. Yep. Well, anything else, Titan? <laughs> no, I think um, I think I've said enough. Well, so I'm good. Looking forward to next time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely want to 
take a peek at Drake one more time, I would guess, if, if not as a game of the week, uh, just uh, as a fan, because I would be curious to see how uh, they kind of end up. Um, and we still need to get out and check out the, a couple Granby games at some point, don't we? We do. Well, fair enough, Titan. You've still got work to do yet this fall. Um, thanks again for your time. See you guys next time. Dude analysis from the Titan Tactician. It's always fun to have Matt in the studio. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, Blake. I did, man. We kind of split the duties, right? Absolutely. Two of us on site, one of us sitting uh, on the couch, probably in shorts and a t-shirt. But uh, You know, teamwork makes the dream work, as they say. Uh, speaking of our dream working, we should uh, give a shout out to our, our sponsors, of course. Um, thanks to Scott Insurance Services. Uh, uh, Roy Keen. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean Michael Keener, attorney at law, and the Purple Poppy Boutique. Well, Paul Byers over there in Johnston. We all appreciate their support. Um, Blake, the other thing we we haven't even mentioned our, our social media, have we? We haven't. Uh, obviously, follow us on Twitter at Kiff. What is our Twitter oh, handle? See, it's become my duty. <laughs> yeah, I know. I... Yeah, you should definitely follow us on Twitter. Um, Kick underscore forward. forward. Yes, very good. Kick underscore forward, and on Facebook at Kick It Forward IA. Online is www.kifsoccer.com. Um, on so, that note, we just released our free U7 program. So get online, register if you're looking for some free soccer with your little ones this winter. Yeah, right on. And, uh, you know, just a quick shout if you haven't listened to our stories with Jeff Pod, um, Jeff Lorenowitz of the Atlanta United comes on and talks to us a little bit about the MLS playoffs, which have been, uh, you know, under underway uh, full steam ahead here this past week and uh, as an American soccer fan it's something that uh, I think we should all kind of support with the MLS but then it's also it's interesting to um, hear Jeff talk about the the day-to-day stuff so I don't know I'm, I've enjoyed it I know you have Blake absolutely so check it out um, and also if you've got any uh, great ideas for us always slide into our DMs we'll talk to you soon say goodbye Blake goodbye Blake mm-hmm.